the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. It is so good to have everyone on the show today. Thank you for joining us on The Grid. Our topic today is humanism. Now, this is not what we planned for this week, but one of our listeners contacted me and was concerned that so many Christians were truly unaware of humanism, that they just couldn't believe it, that they couldn't define it. They can't identify what humanism is. They can't discern it, and therefore they can't see it for what it is. So I want to give a special thanks to our listener. We also know that when you reach out to us on the grid, we want you to know that we listen. You can email us at admin at kingdompatriot.us. Again, that's admin at kingdompatriot.us if you want to email us directly. So why this is so relevant is because last week with the podcast Fauci and the Great Barrington Declaration, we noted that Dr. Anthony Fauci was awarded Humanist of the Year in 2021. This is what prompted our listener to reach out and why we're here today discussing this. So let's break this down today into three parts. The first part will be to define humanism and examine its origins. And quite honestly, that's what we're going to spend most of our time on. But in part two, we're going to do a quick discussion on how this impacts the political and social arena. And then part three, we'll be able to cite a specific example of humanist thought in our government policy. Sandcastles Cottages is a family-owned property of nine cottages nestled in southwest Michigan, just one mile from Lake Michigan Beach Access. Located between St. Joseph and South Haven, Michigan, Sandcastles Cottages is the perfect short-term or long-term retreat to rejuvenate, refresh, and recharge. You have the comfort in knowing this family has a love for God and for country and is the epitome of American small business success. Go to sandcastlescottages.com or call 269-769-8288 to book your stay. Again, that's 269-769-8288 or go to sandcastlescottages.com. So you're ready? All right, part one, let's jump right into what humanism is. According to dictionary.com, Humanism is any system or mode of thought or action in which human interests, values, and dignity predominate. It's the devotion to or the study of humanities. It's also a philosophy, a variety of ethical theory and practice that emphasizes reason, scientific inquiry, and human fulfillment in the natural world and often rejects the importance or belief in God. If you go to Wikipedia, humanism is a philosophical stance that emphasizes the individual and social potential and agency of human beings. It considers human beings as the starting point for serious moral and philosophical inquiry. According to Humanists International, humanism, and I quote, humanism is a democratic and ethical life stance that affirms that human beings have the right and responsibility to give meaning and shape to their own lives. Humanism stands for the building of a more humane society through an ethics based on human and other natural values and a spirit of reason and free inquiry through human capabilities. Humanism is not theistic. It does not accept supernatural views of reality. This is the minimum statement of humanism, according to Humanist International. A humanist also bases their understanding of the world on reason and scientific method, rejecting supernatural divine beliefs as bad explanations or ill-formed ideas. A humanist bases their ethical decisions again on reason with the, with the input of empathy and aiming towards the welfare and fulfillment 
of living things. A humanist is someone who recognizes that we, as human beings, are the most curious and the most capable curators of knowledge in the known universe. A humanist is someone who recognizes that we, as human beings, are by far the most sophisticated moral actors on the earth, because we can grasp ethics. It doesn't mean that we are the only moral objects. For example, animals deserve moral consideration as well, and perhaps the environment as a whole. We must take responsibility for ourselves and others. We do not do this for the sake of preferential treatment in any afterlife. Even if we believed in it, that motivation wouldn't make our actions good. We do it because the best that we can do in this is to live this life as brilliantly as we can. That means helping others in the community, advancing society, and flourishing at whatever we do best within those bounds. And humanists are people who find value in themselves and each other, respecting the personhood and dignity of fellow human beings. And then I'm going to have a little fun with this quote, another tenet that you find from uh, this particular article and website source. We respect other people because of what we are. Now, doesn't that sound like a fairly logical thing to say, actually a kind thing to say? We respect people based on who they are. Except for I cut out the sentence. Let me go ahead and read what the whole sentence says. We respect other people not because we are made in the image of something else. We are a product of evolution, not the product of a divine plan, but because of what we are. We are a sentient, feeling species with value and dignity in each individual, and that is worthy of respect. There is no reason to believe that meaning has to come from a supreme being. If you can write a sentence on a paper which isn't nonsense, then you can create meaning. And finally, for a humanist, there is no divine plan or purpose. The humanist recognizes that we make our own purposes, tell our own stories, and set our own goals. That's what gives life meaning. Again, that's all from Humanist International. But what about the origins of humanism specifically here in the United States? Well, let's go to the American humanist. So I'm not going to conservative websites that either attack or challenge these, these beliefs. I'm actually going to the website of the most prominent humanist organization in the United States, the American Humanist. So a lot of this historical background is actually coming directly from the American Humanist. And if you go to their website at AmericanHumanist.org, which, by the way, is in the transcript if you want to follow this link, this is exactly what their emblem says. According to them, it says, good without God. If I even stopped this entire podcast right now, that right there would give you enough information to truly understand humanism. There is a belief that mankind can and is good and that there is no place for God in that conversation. However, let's go ahead and look at the root of this. A lot of us believe that as you do the research that this occurred in the Renaissance, it really has its roots in ancient Greek thought, but it really rose to prominence during the Renaissance and kind of evolved during the Reformation, the Enlightenment, the Scientific Revolution. In fact, it kind of started to resemble its current form in the late 19th century. In 1933, a major humanism milestone was achieved with the creation of the Humanist Manifesto. It was supported by 34 national leaders, including John Dewey. And that kind of led to the birth of the American Humanist Association. So we'll call that the AHA, which was formed in 1941. And during the 40s, the association was supportive of Vashti McCollum in her fight against religious instruction in schools. Now, that name may sound a little bit familiar because she was the plaintiff in the Supreme Court landmark case, McCollum versus the Board of Education, in which SCOTUS struck down religious education in the schools. So don't tell me for an instant that sitting on the sidelines 
while this kind of thought makes its way into society, won't have a devastating long-term impact. Vashti later served two terms as the president of the AHA in the 60s. If you go to Wikipedia, it talks about one of the earliest recipients of the Humanist of the Year Award was Margaret Sanger. In fact, she got that award in 1957 for her activism on birth control and sex education. Another total winner in a God-void worldview. She popularized the term birth control and created organizations that evolved into what we know today as Planned Parenthood. It is debatable on whether or not she was a big proponent of abortions or whether or not she tolerated them or even discouraged them. But probably what is less debatable, less arguable, is her support for eugenics. In fact, because of her support of eugenics and the controversy around abortion, her name has become such a lightning rod that Planned Parenthood removed her name from their headquarters, according to the American Magazine. She has supported sterilization of those with mental and physical disabilities. In fact, we'll get to this in just a second. To sum up her beliefs, listen carefully to these next few sentences, and this is quoted directly from the American Magazine. Again, you can follow this link in the transcript. Quote, It argues that to preserve racial hygiene, the government should enact three coercive measures. First, it should sterilize those with mental and physical disabilities, including morons, mental defectives, and epileptics. Second, it should segregate on state-run concentration farms a much broader public of impoverished and criminal citizens, including paupers, prostitutes, drug addicts, illiterates, and the unemployed. If the second group reformed its behavior and accepted sterilization, it could return to mainstream society. By Sanger's own estimate, 15 to 20 million citizens would live under this regime of segregation and sterilization. The third initiative would be obligatory birth control training for mothers with serious diseases, such as heart disease, in an effort to persuade them to renounce any future childbearing. This program had little to do with choice. Now, this podcast is not about Margaret Sanger, but what I'm trying to show you is how how progressive humanism is. If we believe in Christ, we could never, never support thought or policies like this. So again, back to the American humanist as we get on this history train. In 1973, Humanist Manifesto No. 2 was born. In 1991, the Humanist, which was recognized as an alternative form for social and political commentary, and that fast-forwarded to 2008 and 2009, with the AHA placing billboard ads directly appealing to those who are not of faith, with slogans like, Why believe in God? Just be good for goodness sake. Or don't believe in God, you're not alone. Do you see the thought here? Good can exist without God. I could go on and on. I think you get the point. This movement was just a place for those to congregate who did not believe in God, at least originally. But today, they are very active in promoting anti-God messages that our society has lazily accepted. So in part two, we want to examine how this impacts the social and political arena. So let's take some of the principles we just talked about. So we just talked about the origins of what it is. And just to sum up, because it's very important as we think about how it impacts society, humanism emphasizes reason. It trusts science as the sole authority. It rejects God and religion. Human beings are the author of morality. The supernatural is made up of bad decisions or ill-formed ideas. Human beings are the most capable of knowledge in the universe. Human beings are the determiner of their own fates. Humans can grasp ethics and are the most capable of any creature on earth. I go back to the American Humanist Association, good without 
God. That is the most important concept to understand in humanism. And it's not just politics. I mean, we're talking about politics, how this impacts politics. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about some of the most famous humanists that we know of. Again, not because I've labeled them that, not because comes some conservative or faith-based organization has. This is actually on the American Humanist website. And it shows how this thought is pervasive and has invaded every aspect of our lives. So again, here's some examples. These are not all of them, but just a few. Best-selling authors, again, humanists, Joyce Carol Oates, Isaac Asimov, Salman Rushdie, scientists and science advocates, Steve Wozniak, Bill Nye, the science guy, Carl Sagan, philosophers, John Dewey, prominent activists, Gloria Steinem, Betty Friedman, Jack Kevorkian, political leaders such as Barney Frank and Pete Stark, and in Hollywood, Oliver Stone, Gene Roddenberry, Catherine Hepburn, Kristen Bell, media and journalism, Amy Goodman, Michelle Goldberg, the Pacific Radio Foundation, The Onion. All of these are touted as humanistic people or organizations. So it's no wonder that humanism is so pervasive in politics, because sometimes I even struggle if politics is actually the cause or is it the result. Maybe we elect humanistic leaders in politics because we are inundated with humanistic thought by authors, scientists, philosophers, activists, political leaders, Hollywood, and media. So maybe I should ask this in a form of a question. If we are bombarded with humanism in every aspect of life, and we have people in powerful positions of government who are dedicated humanists in their philosophy, how could we not believe that this would have a profound impact on government policy? So that brings us to part three. What are some examples? In this case, I think we only have time today probably to touch on one. And I suppose that I'll just work backwards, since it's fresh in everybody's mind. Who's in control of the federal government's policies regarding the COVID-19 pandemic and vaccines and vaccine mandates? Of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci. What do we know about Anthony Fauci? That's right. From the last podcast we discussed, he's a dedicated humanist who received the Humanist of the Year Award in 2021, and he inherently believes in the goodness of man. So let's take a look at some of the recommendations and policies he's put out there. You should mask up everywhere. You should get the vaccines and boosters. We should make the vaccines compulsory. You should do all of this for your fellow man. We should trust the experts. The science is clear. We know best. Do you see how the humanistic thought is pervasive in these recommendations? There's no trust in Christ. There's no praying about our direction. It's about those who we are supposed to trust making decisions about the betterment of society, and anyone disagreeing with that is to be vilified, ostracized, attacked, or worse. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast on Fauci and the Great Barrington Declaration, I highly suggest that you do so. Knowing about the Great Barrington Declaration, it will bring chills to your spine on what I'm about to share. It has been recently uncovered that Fauci covertly conspired with other so-called experts to discredit the Great Barrington Declaration almost from the onset. Why? Because it wasn't his science. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is the most disturbing, the most concerning, and offense to God is man's utter belief in himself his own science, and the belief that he can dictate, control life itself. The humanist truly believes there is no creator, so that we must trust in ourselves. Yet time and time again in history, science over time actually confirms the existence of our God and often refutes the previous science thought to be the beginning and end of all wisdom. Let's say, for instance, maybe when the earth was flat. That's what all the scientists said. So what will scientists say 100 years from now about COVID-19? 
I feel confident that it won't be the experts got it right. So I don't mean to go on a Fauci rant, nor on our government, but rather to educate you on the pervasive parasitic nature of humanism. It's man believing in man, believing in the goodness of man, in the salvations of oneself, void of God, because this is just a stench in the eyes of Almighty God. If a man was all that, Jesus would never have to have come and saved us. No, my friends, we know the human heart is wicked, and it is desperate in need of a Savior. Whether it's me, my wife, my kids, my neighbor, my friends, or Fauci, Biden, or Trump, we all need Jesus, and any hope in man is hope that is ill-placed. I implore you to keep your eyes open, but to be on the lookout, where you can always help yourself and others refocus on Christ. When you see man relying on man, gently remind them that the Lord is in control, even when we can't see it. We must turn to Christ, or the fearful pandemic of our hearts will never end. That's all I have today. I hope this was helpful in getting a better understanding for humanism and why it is important to understand it, because a humanist believes that man is the beginning and end of all wisdom, and that man is inherently good. And if that is the philosophy that is used to run our government, I find it difficult to see our nation walking in the favor of God when over and over and over the Lord allowed or caused calamity to befall Israel for the sole purpose to bring them back to him. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sandcastles Cottages. Visit sandcastlescottages.com or call 269-769-8288 to book your stay for short-term or long-term retreats. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. 